0: Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable. From abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is Real Life. Okay, so this is Linda, and Linda, I am overjoyed that you decided to do this with me. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I am I am giddy. I'm like a giddy little girl inside that you would come and do this with me because I just adore you, and I oh, respect you, and you. I, you are a mentor in my life, and I am- so blessed.
1: Well, I love you too. So, and I'm very happy to be here. Oh, uh, well, I know. It's Happy fun. to do it's this fun. with you. Yay. Yes. I'm really excited. Um,
0: okay. So Linda, can you give me like a background? Like you are a mom.
1: You, What do you do for a living? Um, I'm a psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Yes. I've been in practice for a long time, about 30 years. I started out uh, wanting to work with abused kids and um, – I'm a mom. Uh, I have a 20 year old now. Oh, I can So, Yeah. She's um, going to be going in, into psychology also. And so Might be a clinician. And oh, so that's I'll be so mentoring cool. her. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and you're married? I'm married. How long have you been married? Five years.
0: Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know some of these <laughs> there's things. There's a lot of personal oh things. Oh, my gosh. You don't I know. guess. I mean, okay. Well, yes. wow. There's that. Yes. Um, okay. So I guess we're going to jump in. So basically, um, you know, we are going to talk about things that are uncomfortable for most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the more vulnerable and authentic we can be, the more helpful. And so, um, you know, if I ask you right. questions that you don't want to answer, be like,
1: ah, no. <laughs> I'll probably want to answer okay. most of them. <laughs> okay, good. So
0: I guess just tell us um, like where you were born and how many kids were in your
1: family. and Yeah, so I'm from the East Coast. I was born in Montreal. And so yeah. I grew up in Montreal. Do you speak French? Yes, I do. I knew that. I mean, I used to speak very fluently. And now in the last couple of years, people have come into my practice that are French speaking. Oh, that's so, so cool. So I'm starting to practice that's more so cool. and it's coming back. Yeah, that's and so cool. I'm really enjoying it. It's really nice to, be to able get to the language French. back. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you were yeah. the daughter of... Um so a uh, Janet and Stan, i uh my parents uh were together for until I was eighteen and married, married until, 18. until I was eighteen. Uh, separated, never got divorced. They're yeah. still not divorced. No, my they're, dad passed last October. That's right. And they're still, yeah, uh, they never, they never okay. actually got divorced. Well, <laughs> that's a tad dysfunctional, but so the, well, whole, <laughs> yeah, the whole thing, <laughs> actually the whole thing was pretty dysfunctional yeah. and still is. Um, but, how yeah.
0: And you have brothers and sisters? So I have two brothers. I have
1: an older brother and a younger brother. So you're the middle
0: child. The and middle how kid. far apart are you all?
1: Uh, my older brother's uh, two years older and my younger brother's a year younger. Okay. So, so. did you grow up close? Um, our family was a, a English family. We were kind of, I mean, we liked each other. The kids liked each other. Okay. Um, but we kind of went off and did our own thing most of the time. So we were not like a lot of families that share things together and are really close. So as a child,
0: like what did the weekend look like for you?
1: Um, I was usually either at dance class or I was doing uh, figure skating or oh. I was playing sports. I was very, very athletic. athletic. Yeah, I did a lot of athletics. I, I, I was actually wanted to be a dancer when I grew up. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> that was kind yeah. of a cir- circuitous way to get into the profession I'm in. But Oh, yeah. my gosh. yeah. Um, so your parents
0: were involved then enough to get you in dance class?
1: Um, well, they signed me up for dance class, but I I always walked everywhere. I mean, my mom okay. worked and mm-hmm. my dad worked too, but he was busy playing hockey. He was a big hockey player. Got it. And was a bit of an alcoholic and wasn't really that even available. when you were even when you were that young. Yeah, he drank almost uh, all the time. You know, so he was functioning. He did was you a functioning? Did alcoholic. you know that
0: he was an alcoholic?
1: No, I didn't figure it out till a few years ago,
0: actually. That, well, me too. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I kind of like try to weave my story in a little bit Good. when I do this yeah. because there's a lot of, it, helps to it talk does. About it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so weird because as a child, you don't really, it's, it's hard to understand adult things and alcoholism yeah. is an adult thing. And so, but now looking back, you, I'm sure it's like, Oh,
1: well, it's an everyday thing right that's you kind point. of like see it as normal because your parents that's you know point. you don't know that they're not doing healthy things right, right. It, to you that's just like that's just the way it is they just behave know? like that
0: yes, yes so was he like a mean drunk did he ever get to like an abusive drunk no or was he-,
1: he, he was actually kind of a sweet guy okay. my mom was the one who was really abusive and mean my mom was she's a narcissistic borderline so she was kind of crazy mean. when
0: did you know that she had personality disorders.
1: Um, well, not until I got into right, studying psychology, but I always knew like there was something really wrong. I used to think when I was a kid, some of the stuff she would do I'd go, that's crazy. Right? Yeah, that's weird. Um, <laughs> and so I was close to my brothers that way because we would both we would all look at each other and we would never tell on each other because my mom would go into these rages, right? So we were kind of close in that way, like being in a war, you know, and the kids are kind of like. So she picked on
0: all of you equally.
1: No, no. Narcissistic parents don't usually do that. They pick on, they kind of like use each kid differently. So my mom used me in a way as kind of her confidant and the person to kind of emotionally like support her and help her. Yep. And you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And, um, my brother, my older brother, she was just, she tortured him. Okay. She was really mean to him. And then she was the youngest in her family. So my younger brother was treated with kid gloves and never got in trouble even when he was doing, he know, was the golden child. Yeah. He was the golden yeah. child.
0: See, we only had two in my family. So I got the, emo. I got, I was not the golden child.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> you were the scapegoat, <laughs> I was the scapegoat, right? <laughs> scapegoat kid. I was yeah. the
0: one who she was, you know, she would torture. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's that. So, um, okay. And then, um, so like, what sorts of things would she do? Like, how, how, how yeah. would you know? Do you have any examples?
1: Well, uh, my first memory was that she tried to commit suicide when I was five years old. And how, so, how? She went in the bedroom, and my dad always came home. He was my dad, even though he drank a lot, he was reliable in terms of he would come home at the same time every okay. day. So she waited until he was coming home, and then she went in her room and slit her wrists. And so he came in and found her, and there was blood all over the place, right? And then he told me to clean it up and close the door so my brothers wouldn't see what happened. And, you know, like, just wrapped her up and took her to the hospital. And you had to clean up. I didn't. I was just so mortified. I, you were five. <laughs> I was five. I didn't quite understand what was happening. I knew it was bad, and so I closed the door and I just sat outside the door and told my brothers not to go in. Oh my And so that's gosh. one of the first memories I have of her craziness. And did you tell your brothers?
0: No. You never told your
1: brothers. We didn't talk about bad stuff that happened. You know, like kids yeah. are so much just trying to kind of manage that we didn't... I mean, we looked at each... And sometimes we would say, well, that was really mean of mom to do that or something. But kids, you know, don't normally like talk to each other about what's You know, what's going it's interesting on. because when my mom would
0: be mean to me, there would be parts of my sister that it would, it would like hurt her feelings yes. that my mom was being so mean. Yes. But I understand that because she couldn't ever say to me, Hey, I'm so sorry. Mom was being so mean because if she did that, then she would get the brunt of it. So, you know, you kind of just don't talk about it because
1: we've talked about it as adults now, okay? but, um, it created a lot of separation between us, which is really the tragic part because, you know, you feel, you feel bad. Like I remember having my mom was beating my older brother up in the kitchen one time and it took everything like not to jump on her and try right. to stop her. Right. And I felt so bad for him all the time mm-hmm. when he was when she she was picking on him and yeah. really hurting him. Yeah. And but I was just frozen. Like I knew that it would make things worse right. if I tried, right? Well, I But mean, you I, still feel guilty. I assume kid.
0: I assume. I mean, I assume that you probably would have tried at some point, but like you probably got Oh, she was scared. Right. <laughs> They, I mean, they're scary and you're a kid, so it's like really scary.
1: Yes. You know, did you have family around
0: brother or um, aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas?
1: um, On my, on my dad's side of the family, I had a big, I had a lot of cousins. And so the reprieve was during the summertime we were at my grandparents' cottage, okay. and all the kids would come. And she behaved herself when there were other people around. Of course, she so did. we had a nice weekend when that was happening. But the rest of the time, I mean, she was abusive, and so nobody, and screaming, so and... nobody knew she was abusive. No, mm-hmm. well, my dad did. Oh, how's that? Well, he would be in the other room while she, while like, she was, you know, like, beating your brother, beating my brother. And what did he do? Nothing, mm-hmm. which was wow. such a betrayal for a kid. Well, you know what that's I like, do. right? It's oh just my such a betrayal for a kid that the other parent allows this kind of stuff to happen. And, you know, I mean, a kid can't do anything. We're, we're powerless, right? They have all the power. So it's, it was very, you know, frightening. A memory that I had is my mom would
0: um, even try to get me to not like my dad like she was even threatened yes. by any affection, that any affection. Have. So, um, it was like, your dad is a no good, lazy, this and that. And then I would yeah. feel so bad. Like, cause I really liked my dad at that point.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. Like yes. he was
0: way nicer than her. Not yeah. that he was like a gem, but yeah. better than that crazy. Um, and I just felt so bad and I was, you know, it kind of, it kind of like reeled me into their marriage. It made me feel like I was supposed to make a peace between them because it's so crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's effectively what happens because they're not meeting each other's needs. They start using the kids, right? To get in the middle. And I felt very responsible for my mom and my mom, you know, after the suicide attempt, she threatened to kill herself like, all the time. And I really was walking on eggshells. I mean, I, I had insomnia for most of my life because I was terrified that she was going to do it. And she would, you know, say, we don't love her enough. And I'm like, I don't oh my know gosh. what to do for you. I mean, that's her personality disordered stuff. Right. 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 Where you're, you can't win. You can't win and no matter how much, I mean, they're like a black hole, right? No matter how much you try to be affectionate or you try to give them something, it's never enough. Or it's too much. Like you didn't do it right. Or like you're trying
0: to love them, but you don't love them in the right way. Or, and you're constantly trying to figure out some way so that she's just nice to you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like, I mean, and essentially just kind of leaves you alone because she's not really ever nice. So just leave me alone.
1: Well, I think. I don't know. With my mom, she was, she, the weird part was she was so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes she could be kind or sometimes she oh. could be sweet, but normally she wasn't, right? Uh-huh. And so it was kind of like you never knew what you were going to get. So you were kind of constantly like hypervigilant, walking on eggshells. And you, you learn how to read people then. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm so good you at know that. what I
0: mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can
1: smell someone
0: out there in the, in the, in the crowd. I I know just the type of person they are. And the minute I get that feeling, it's, I'm all done. Well, I mean, I think I used to be attracted to that because it was familiar. And I felt like, oh, I can handle this. Right. And so it almost was like a superpower. People would be like, oh, how can you even get along with that person? And now, um, because I'm an adult and I figure out, you know, I I actually don't have to do that. Right. (laughs) Like you (laughs) can not living with them. You don't have to, you can keep your crazy over there and I'll stay over here. Thank you very much. I have enough of my own stuff going on. I don't need your crazy to, you know, add to my plate.
1: Well, like you said, it's a no win situation. And so you're constantly anxious and depressed. And there is no way to kind of win with someone like that. I know. And when you're a kid, you don't realize that, right? I mean, you really think if I'm better, if I'm more perfect and I do everything they want and I don't need anything from them, maybe they'll give me a little bit. Maybe they'll like me, right? Because that's the question is like, how come they don't like me? Why do they treat me like this? It's funny because
0: as a kid, though, I never thought they didn't like me.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I didn't, I, I just, I didn't know, I, you, you know, I don't, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know that they didn't like me. Yeah. I didn't, I, I thought they loved me. Oh, really? But I didn't know what real love was, no. you know? And like, I mean, my mom never said, I love you. She never gave me a hug. She never put me to bed at night and read me a book or anything, but like, I, I just thought that just wasn't her and she's trying her best. What? Those are like the things you tell yourself, because if you really believe that, like, you had a dangerous parent, you really wouldn't be able that's to That's right. That 100%. <laughs> you got to lock that door. Jeez. And yeah. be overly grateful for everything. I remember just having to be over Thank you so much for oh, the chicken that's nuggets. that's
1: so much part of the 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 borderline stuff in the narcissistic personality. So how do you, Okay, right? hold on.
0: Let's take a little break. How do I determine what is a narcissist? What are what are narcissistic traits? What are borderline traits? How does that interweave? That kind
1: of thing. Yeah. So A lot of people can be narcissists without also having the borderline stuff in it, too. But they are classified as two separate things, two separate personality disorders. Although a lot of people who have borderline are narcissists. Mm -hmm. so um, But you can be borderline without the narcissist. mm, Okay. Not really. (laughs) Okay. I mean you know this is all kind of parsed out in the diagnostic manual but the, in real life right it really is that these kinds of things run together you can be narcissist without being borderline but normally when you're borderline mm-hmm. there's all kinds of self absorption in mm-hmm. the borderline stuff and so how and do so- you how do you spot like a borderline person The main thing is someone that makes you feel like you're always walking on eggshells with them Mm -hmm. and that you can't win no matter what you do to try to please them. It's never going to be good enough. Right. So like, that's a very big borderline. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of an example. So it's like, um, you know, your
0: husband says, don't spend any money. And then the next day he's like, we never go anywhere. Right, you can't win. Like, yeah, we're not allowed to spend any money. But then he's mad at you for not booking a trip and taking you somewhere or something like that. Yes. Like, yeah, it's
1: so it's never you know it's kind of, and so the- it's a setup. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't, it, you're like, okay, well, do you want this or do you want that? Right. Right. And right. they do it mostly on my like, new, most borderlines do it unconsciously. Okay. But it really is driven by the need for control and okay. power. Right. Cause they, they, they put themselves in a one up position when you're trying to please them. and right. No matter what you do, you can't please them. That is a one up position. So that's it's exhausting. The
0: things, it is exhausting.
1: <laughs> so and it's, it's infuriating. So if you're in a relationship
0: with somebody that's like that, I feel like this just totally took a yes, turn for the... For that's a, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just so interested. So if you're in a relationship with somebody like that, like how, what do you even do?
1: Well... Run the, away? No. Well... <laughs> If you're just dating someone like that and you can see that it's a pattern, because I'm not saying that people don't sometimes do that like unintentionally, right? right? Totally. But if it's someone that you have this feeling that they're doing it most of the time to get into a one-up position and you feel like you're in a power struggle with them. Then you might consider that they have a personality disorder, and then I would say, run for the hills. Right, you know? and then I wonder—you probably have had a
0: relationship. There's probably someone else in your life that behaves like that, and that's why that you can kind of put up with that crap. So, because most people, right, that are like have healthy relationships, they would they wouldn't even be attracted to that. That's absolutely
1: it's, true. They wouldn't put up with that. No, they wouldn't put up with that. Mm -hmm. So it's usually the model that we have for what love is is what we had with our parents. So if you were abused and mistreated as a kid, and this is familiar to you, it's like the shoe that fits, right? Totally, it's comfortable. Well, it's not comfortable. Okay, just kidding. But you do know how to do that (laughs) dance, right? It's like these are the moves to this dance. This is the dynamic. Well, I know how to do that. I feel like for me, not that it was
0: comfortable. I guess that's a bad word, but I just. It was, Familiar. at least I knew how to do that. I didn't know how to do the other thing. So right. if I'm in a relationship with, you know, this person, this type of person, I feel like at least I know how to deal, which is, you know, all those crazy women front, you're like, yes. girls are crazy. Yes. I say, oh gosh, I got to get away from you. Now I know. But like at the, you right. know, there've been so many friendships that I've had where it's like.
1: Like Crazy. you said, you, you kind of learn how to accommodate a, mm-hmm. a personality disorder if you're living with someone mm-hmm. like that. And then it creates these maladaptive things that you mm-hmm. learned how to do. And then you recreate that with other people. Cause those are the steps to the dance that you know how Perfect. to do. Right. So Great. if you know only how to do the waltz, you're going to choose someone who does the waltz, even if that's not, the, if the tango is a much more fun and liberating dance to do, you're not doing that. You're doing what you know how to do. It's a repetition compulsion. We all do it. I mean, there's almost, I mean, if if you're lucky and you understand what's going on, you have a choice, but that's why... I think therapy for me was what saved me because Amen. it's kind of like... Amen, sister. Oh, no, I I see. remember getting
0: into therapy and just being so overwhelmed with life and like why is everybody else not completely overwhelmed with life, right. you know? What is going on here? And that like totally opened my eyes. Okay, so I think... Um, okay, so we ended with um, your mom. Your dad was like completely neglectful, like not really parenting because he was ignoring the abuse in your home. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that manifest itself? I, I think that like maybe when you become a teenager or something you maybe did you act out like did you oh yeah (laughs) yes you did yeah
1: I really felt like I was on my own right because I was kind of trying to parent myself a little bit and, and my, I, I was getting a lot of negative stuff from both of my parents. Okay. Like my dad was a little more negative towards me when I became a teenager and my mom was always kind of negative towards me. Cr- cr- very critical. critical. Like I couldn't do anything right. Me too. And I was a good kid, Me you too. Know? So I started drinking when I was 13 and 14. So you weren't afraid and- of being caught? Like my, like I was so afraid.
0: You were? Oh, that's why I never did anything like that.
1: Well, my parents weren't watching. They were, I mean, my dad was off doing his own drinking and playing hockey. And my mom, I think at the time, was having affairs. So she was hardly home now. And so we, us kids were kind of left on our own when we were teenagers. No so way. we were all kind of doing our own thing. I mean, we were <clears throat> basically roommates and no one was paying attention so to what was going d- on. Okay.
0: So, and what about your brothers? What about the oldest who was the scapegoat kid?
1: Uh, He had made friends. He's a really nice guy. I'm sure <laughs> he is. And he's a sweetheart. And so he had good friends from school. Oh, so he nice. made friends. My younger brother got involved in drugs I see. and was smoking a lot of pot, and that kind of destroyed his life. Actually, oh, no. so he he's he's functioning now, and he, he's a really and he's. I mean, my my brothers are super smart, and they're you right. know they could have been extremely successful, right? If they would have had a parent, to, if they would have had some yeah. good parenting, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so, what did you? Like what instances like stick out to you in, in your teenage years of things that happened to you or that you did or that you regret or that, you know, things that you wish you if you if you had a good parent, you wouldn't have done or wouldn't have happened.
1: Well, I had a really bad trauma in my early childhood where uh, my, when my mom went to work, uh, I was we were kind of left alone at home a lot, okay. you know, like latchkey kids. And me I too. Mean, How old were you? Uh, I was six when this happened, so this was just when she started working, and so um, I was out in the, there were were fields behind our house, Mm -hmm. and I was out there by myself. The boys were playing hockey, but they wouldn't let the girls play hockey, Mm -hmm. and um, so I was attacked and uh, orally raped, and um, the guy choked me because he wanted to make sure that I was dead, so I played possum because I knew what he was doing when he, I knew he was trying to kill me. So that was really horrible. How old is this? Who was this guy? He was just some random drunk that happened to be there in the fields behind my house. And maybe he saw me go back there and he came after me is what I think happened. But I didn't know who, I mean, it was a complete stranger. I didn't okay. know who it was. Wait, So hold on. So th- did you tell your parents? I was, I thought that they would be mad at me Mm -hmm. because they were constantly mad at me when things happened. Like I stepped on a nail one time, it went through my foot and they said, well, that's your fault. You didn't have shoes on. So, you know, I had things like that happen where I thought they're going to tell me it's my fault that this happened. And I think, I mean... That was just the parenting that I had, right? So so I I didn't tell them. And this is what happens with a lot of people that are sexually abused. You just try to, like, you know, kind of wrap it up and tie it up somewhere and put it out of your mind. Um, I had so, I have another girl who um, has shared I'm not sure when this will air
0: but is sharing um, her story being mm-hmm. sexually abused and it's exactly the same way because when you're a kid it's it's too big for your brain you're it not is. it's too big you're not developed enough to understand that and it just you 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 hide it but and it, it the, the dysfunction manifests yes in your yes, life in it a will different way. yeah yeah so okay yeah. so did you find yourself promiscuous as a
1: teenager because of it where how yes. did you mm-hmm. yeah i think um again with that repetition compulsion especially with trauma i see and so i was dissociated a lot uh, like maybe men would approach me and want to get involved and i would kind of like leave my body and not really be present so i, I was abused a, a, a few more times and also I think I was looking for love, you know, because right. I was so lonely. And so I would get easily into relationships and some of the relationships weren't horrible. I mean, I wasn't being abused in relationships, but I was so confused about sexuality. And- My heart
0: is like so broken for you. Just thinking about like being six, because I mean, Bennett is five, like he's five. He plays with dinosaurs right, and trucks. Right. Like he shouldn't be like. It's, it's so crazy to me. So did, so you you never told them, wait, so this guy told anyone, but this guy just was out there and yeah, were you afraid to just like be alive that he was ever
1: going to come back? I, I do have memories of like, right after it happened of like crawling on the ground for hours because I was afraid that he might see see me and he might come back. So, I mean, it's kind of a more longer story than that. That's the gist of it. Oh. But yeah, it was really terrifying. And, you know, I was depressed and uh, I was an insomniac. I didn't sleep for years. I mean, I didn't start sleeping until I was in my 40s, oh you my know? Gosh. So, that depression and anxiety. And, and so this, when a trauma that's this severe happens before the age of seven, yeah. usually it's repressed, like you don't remember it, you know, like I said, you kind of, you kind of like package it up and you put it behind some amnesia so that it's not constantly there, but it gets triggered all the time, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So anytime maybe you're sexual or something similar is starting to happen, you kind of dissociate, like you're not really present in your body. So that's I, I know what that feels works. like.
0: Yes. Um. I feel like there's a lot of my life that I just don't remember. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like, I don't, I have no idea.
1: Well, me too. I mean, that's, yeah. it's like people talk about their childhood and which teachers they had, and they even remember the names of their teachers. And I'm like, I don't remember hardly anything. Well, it's right? so funny because it's like, oh, well, you just have a bad memory. And it's like, no, I
0: think no. I actually did that. on. like, I think it was, I mean, it was an, it's a,
1: what a coping mechanism, yes. right? Like we, I, yeah. we had to do that. It was, yeah. Um, so you lose part of your life that way, which is the sad part. Right. And you don't realize what's happening to you. Right. I mean, you're dissociated. You can't control it. You don't realize that you're doing that. Yeah. And yeah, people look at you like, don't you remember this and that? And I'm like, cause you can't control it. You don't know that you're dissociated until you start getting some healing and Got you it. start coming back into your body and then you actually start noticing when you dissociate. Right. You know, you can feel you're like more aware
0: of your feelings and like, oh, I feel myself starting to do that. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then, so, okay. So now we're in um, your adolescent. adolescent years. Now we're maybe going to college.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I, I skip uh, one grade and then I was in French school and then I skipped into English school. Okay. And I grew up in a part of Montreal on the South shore that is not a very good area. Okay. And most of the kids that I grew up with were abandoned by their parents. So we were like all hanging out together. Okay. So you kind of had like a community. Well, we almost had like a tribe. Okay. (laughs) Like that's, you know, yeah, right. I mean, and it's, I mean, we weren't bad kids so that we weren't like breaking the law, but we right. were out drinking and dancing and smoking pot. and doing That sounds really spots. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I never got to oh, do gosh. any of I that. I just realized I don't want my daughter to know about the smoking <laughs> well, pot. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, I'm so, sure she has. Uh, no. Oh, she hasn't okay <laughs> no, well, maybe maybe she's not telling me everything <laughs> I
0: didn't smoke yeah. pot until I got married
1: yeah <laughs> because yeah. Of,
0: no that's a lie I think I did I, I was such a good kid I yeah you were such a all good the kid. times that I should have been doing you should have been out having fun like I, was. I know dang it <laughs> um okay so you yeah. had at least I feel like that's that's a part I mean that's
1: yeah. great that you had uh, well, it was good family. that I I was able like people. my older brother. I was able to make friends, mm-hmm. I liked people, you mm-hmm. know, and I had some very good friends. That's so good. And so that's pretty much. And then my dancing, you know, I gave yes. up. Unfortunately, I danced until I was a teenager and then when I got involved in this kind of stuff, I stopped oh, dancing, which yeah. is kind of a sad thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you're just trying to do the best you can to not be lonely, right? I mean, you're very lonely when you don't have parents that are connecting to yeah. you and watching out for you or anything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of depression and anxiety though, during my teenage years, um, that was, and, and then not being able to sleep and my mind would just like mull things over and mull things oh, over yeah. trying to figure out like what I could do, yep. what's happening yep. How can I make things better? Yeah. You know, and you're, so, you're always losing because you can't. Yeah. Because when your parents are in control, you, you know, you don't have a lot of power. So basically I ran away from home when I was a As soon as I, my 18th birthday, I packed my bags uh-huh. and I got in my car. I had saved a little, I had always worked, you yes. know? Yes. So I saved my money and, I just took off. Where'd you go? I drove across the country and spent some time in Denver and met some nice people there. And then I came out to California and met some nice people here. And I oh, moved here. <laughs> so, did you have jobs in Denver? And like, like, what'd you do? No, I didn't have. I didn't have a job. How did you I survive? Had, well, I had some money that I had worked and okay. saved some money. And then when I got out uh, to California. I did run out of money. I had to go back to Montreal and get my green card and work there for a while. Okay. And then I had met someone when I was in California and we fell in love. So when I came back, you know, we got married and then I was, yeah. Got it. Um, And was your mom mad at you that you left? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, they blamed each other for me leaving, okay. and okay. They, they, it was kind of my fault. Well, that's in a when way. that's when they um, separated, right? Yes, that's exactly when they separated. Yeah, and so my mom was blaming my dad, and my dad was blaming her. They ended up separating, and right. I wasn't there to be the. Um, I don't know. I think I I think in a way I was the emotional support for my mom and then when that was gone, I think then she realized she needed to go do something about it. You know that. what's interesting
0: is when I got married, that's when I think my dad's drinking got really bad. Yeah. Like mm. I left the house and mm-hmm. I think that yes, it cuz there was I she, he was a scapegoat now.
1: It wasn't yeah.
0: me? I was out. Exactly. Bye. Yeah.
1: Yeah, really bad. Well, I mean, they the narcissists. Do use people for their own functions, Obviously. right? And so, yeah, if someone leaves, and they have to replace them with someone else. Right? Yeah. So I think
0: uh-huh. it was right. Him. Right. Anyways, okay. Yeah. So sh- they were super mad at you, but you said, "Screw it, I don't care. I'm going back to California."
1: Yeah, and then when I came out here, <laughs> yes. I was in California temporarily. When I came out here, my mother called me and said she was going to kill herself again. <laughs> so. I ended up going back in order to try to help her. And then when I got back, you know, I had the suitcase and, uh, you know, I'm in my bedroom with the suitcase and she says to me, don't unpack unless you're planning on staying. So I was there for about probably eight months trying to get my green card, maybe a year at the most. And I didn't unpack my suitcase the whole time because you were like, (laughs) I'm not staying." I'm trying to let her know. I'm done. I'm all done here. Yeah. That's so brave. I was yeah. not that
0: brave at 18, 19.
1: I, well, I was at a point and I found this out just recently from my older brother. I was at a point that I thought I might like do myself in. I mean, not uh, like yeah. actually shoot myself or something, but I thought, you know, yeah, you, the you way, way your I'm living, point. Yeah. you know, this is some, something really bad is going to yeah. happen. Or I did, you know, I did sometimes fantasize a little bit about like. Like maybe they'd feel really bad about how they treated me if something horrible happened to me or if I did something to myself. But, um, you know, my mom talked that way her whole life. So for me, it was like, I would never do that, you know, because to me, that was just like a crappy thing to talk about and a crappy thing to do to other people. To manipulate
0: somebody with the threat of suicide is disgusting.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's what that's I felt disgusting. about it, and so yeah, I, I thought I'm so, not ever going to be like that. Absolutely right?
0: not. Yeah, I remember being little and thinking, like, making notes. I'm never going to be like this. I'm never going to be like this. This is not what I'm going to do because I knew inherently I knew it was wrong. I just yeah. couldn't figure out what why I was being treated that way. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Um. Okay. So you came to California, and then you, and you met a guy, or you met a the same yeah. guy. You went back to him.
1: Yeah, I I met someone when I was here. He was um studying for the bar okay. and so he had just passed the bar and so then we ended up living together and then getting married and so that was yeah, it was a nice uh relationship. He 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 was a little bit like my mom though in that he was extremely perfectionistic and critical.
0: And so what was your life like in your like when you were early married? Was that
1: easy for you? Um Yeah, actually, it was probably one of the better relationships (laughs) I've (laughs) had. Really? (laughs) Except that he did have similarities to my parents in terms of he worked all the time. Mm -hmm. He was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. He came from an alcoholic family. So we had a lot in common Mm -hmm. that way, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have that kind of dysfunction, sometimes it fits together. Mm -hmm. We knew how to, I mean, we were nice to each other. We knew how to go out and have fun and we traveled a lot. And so we had a kind of a nice life. I mean, it was And what were you doing for work at that point? Um, Well, I wanted to be a dancer and then I was in college and I was studying French and dance and I wanted to, uh, that's effectively what I wanted to do. Uh, I was performing so much in college that I had problems with my feet because when I had started dancing, I started on point too young and so I oh. had I had feet problem. Okay. And so um I was having to have cortisone shots in my feet and then they don't tell you if you have too many of those that your muscles kind of start to unravel. So basically my feet were ruined and I couldn't oh, no. dance anymore. And then I was trying to look for something else to do. And so I went to UCLA doing interior design because I liked working in so the, that kind uh, of yes, stuff, you yeah. know. Yep. Um, and then I met a, a professor there who knew about clinical art therapy. Mm-hmm. And he he and I became friends. He was a much older man. And he was telling me, I think you should look into this clinical art therapy program. I think that's maybe where you're going to really, in, you know, you're going to be really good at this. And so that's what I did is I went to Loyola Marymount and I got a master's degree in clinical art therapy and marriage and family therapy. Okay. And, uh, did that's you realize how, I how crazy your family was when you were going to no. marriage and family? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I did when we started doing the the classes and talking about okay. stuff. And then we had to do like, you know, we had to kind of talk about our own family and do write-ups about... Is that your phone? Oh, I think that is my phone. Sorry. Oh dang it, Linda! Uh, I to. Here, you know
0: what? We'll <laughs> we'll stop it right here. Okay, sorry, and it's okay. I'm we can. Turn um, it off. Well, this I'm not. I don't ever edit this. So okay. oh, there we go. It's all good. Okay, okay. oh, just kidding. <laughs>
1: uh, it's fine. Should it's I fine. lean over and turn it off? That's fine. It'll probably oh, stop it's over there. Yeah, it'll okay. probably stop. It'll stop in a minute. Okay. Well, I like the yeah. So um, there we go. Okay. Yeah, so where was I? You oh,
0: were then, getting your masters in da- and da- art therapy, Yes. Art, yeah, therapy?
1: art therapy, clinical art therapy. And so that's how I started. I mean, I had no intention of become ever becoming a I didn't even know about it, right? Ever becoming a therapist. But that's how I ended And your up. husband was very supportive and Yeah, he was supportive. Yeah. So what happened? Yes. Well, um, I wanted to get pregnant, yeah, and he never told me that he couldn't do that, and so I was trying for several years, and then I found out that he He had lied the whole time. Yeah, that he had (sighs) lied the whole time, and so I felt really betrayed, and so the marriage kind of fell apart after that. Yeah, I would say, I would say so. Yeah, because how old were you? I mean, I was twenty-eight
0: at the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so yeah. painful because this guy is like yeah. so fantastic, and
1: yeah, I really, I mean, I, it, it felt like a huge betrayal because yeah. you know we were going to the doc. He wouldn't go to the doctor to get checked out. I was going, mm-hmm. so finally figured out that it was on his end of it, and then he finally tells me after two years of trying oh. that you know. Yeah. That he knew, but he didn't want to tell me. And I'm like, I don't understand. You know, we can adopt. There's other things we could do. Oh my gosh. But that just felt yeah, like that's the rug getting about pulled that. out from yeah. under me. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: yeah. I didn't know that. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, how is that actually? Cause I would assume that's very painful coming from a childhood like the, like yours. To have somebody that you've trapped, like you actually trust this guy. Yeah. You think he's your, your guy forever. And then you find yeah. out that he lied to you.
1: But in our relationship though, there were issues. I mean, it wasn't just that there were issues because like I said, that repetition compulsion, he, he really wasn't emotionally available. He was very shut down. Okay. He was very perfectionistic. Okay. He was very critical okay. at times, okay. you know, mm-hmm. And so and we were he was involved in in the entertainment industry and we were kind of getting pulled into that life which mm. I didn't like you know cuz he was a big shot in that industry okay. Um, and I didn't like the way things were going, Got it. you know, that, that's kind of a weird industry to be, to participate in the, the you mean like the drugs and the sex well, and the alcohol and the, there's, yeah, there's so much that goes on in terms of, yeah, the drugs, the sex, the alcohol, the, the just kind of not good stuff. And yeah, that's yeah. not what I wanted in my life anymore. Got right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the acting out phase that I had when I was a teenager was short lived. Right. I I didn't do that for very long, right, you know. Yeah. And
0: So so and then when you became like a clinical psychologist. Si- yeah, psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Right. When did you decide to do that?
1: Well, so after um after I well, I was still married and went to into the master's degree program mm-hmm. and then I um had an opportunity in Laguna Beach to come out here. So I, mean, I, okay. I took that opportunity yeah. in Laguna Beach and then I was getting divorced at the time and, um, started working, a, I, I did, a an internship in the incest survivors program. So that's when I started working during my internship with sexual people who had been sexually abused. Oh my there, yeah. yeah. And that started oh. stirring up stuff for me, yes. right? Because I had repressed what I had experienced and so I Is started there a lot doing, of incest in Laguna Beach uh there's a lot of sexual abuse all over the place whether it's incest or people taking advantage of young girls or there's I mean it's amazing I don't know exactly what the numbers I are think but it, so lot. I think it's um
0: oh darn it I had it on my thing one in oh gosh why do I want to say one in five
1: I have it on my phone.
0: Uh, it's it's really high. It is high. It's really high. Yeah. It might, be, it's probably
1: more than that. I'm sure it's underreported, right? Right. Because like me or other people, when you have that going on, you are trying to avoid dealing with that. You just want it to be cut out of your life and put away somewhere where you never so have were to were look at it So were you feeling
0: fulfilled when you were working with people that were sexual abuse survivors? Did that feel like good for you because you were...
1: I think well it didn't at first because I was going to conferences and stuff and having kind of nervous breakdowns oh at the my conference. gosh and then I went into the recovery I started having nightmares and the nightmares is what brought me to understand that this a horrible thing had happened so you didn't really remember Oh no I didn't remember I didn't remember what had happened, because when, like I said, when it happens before the age of seven, and if it's bad enough trauma, even sometimes as an adult, you won't remember things, right? So that happens too for adults, that if it's a bad enough trauma that you dissociate, you almost leave your body so that you don't remember.
0: And you ended up remembering through EMDR?
1: I ended up remembering from going to a conference about incest and then kind of feeling like I was coming apart at the seams. I couldn't understand why. Then I started having nightmares. Okay, I see. And then when I started having nightmares, um, my supervisor where I was working said, I think we want to send you to a therapist to deal with this. He was nice enough to pay for it and get me into a therapist. And she started doing EMDR. And then the memories started breaking loose, and I started having, you know, like more specific memories I of see. what happened because they were related to the nightmares yes. I was having, oh right?
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And unfortunately, the EMDR therapist that I went to wasn't very sophisticated. This was a long time yes. ago, right? Yeah. And so I ended up kind of really having a hard time because we didn't process the whole memory enough for me to actually get the distress out, out of it and to be able to understand what happened. So that got put away for a while until probably about, I think about five or six years ago, where Shut I up. did more EMDR and was able to process the whole thing.
0: Oh my gosh, this yeah. is fairly
1: new. Um, to have it completely yes. processed? Yes. Yes. Yeah, to have it to
0: think that processed. you've lived so much of your life and then still not have like overcome those things is is
1: crazy. Well, that's the that's the reason that I think it's important for us to talk about this. Because so many people that are sexually abused, like I said, we want to avoid the pain around that and there's so much shame around it because for most people you feel somehow like it's your fault that it's Mm -hmm. happened, right? Mm -hmm. And of course the perpetrators are always trying to make you feel like it's your fault that it happened. And so, you know, that's why things don't get dealt with for so long. And another thing is that I've come to understand is a lot of people who have anxiety and depression don't realize that it's actually post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have traumas in their past that they don't remember, or they have traumas that they do remember that they're trying to keep out of their consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's important that we be educated and, and for people to feel like, oh, there's a way to feel better with my depression or my anxiety or my insomnia or whatever it is. And sometimes when, like, you know, from your own experience, mm-hmm. when you're traumatized, you don't realize that you traumatized. No, I had no idea. I remember
0: um, what got me into my first, and here's the other thing, not all therapists are good therapists. Okay. Let's just throw that out (laughs) there because I went to one in the very beginning and it was more traumatizing than healing at all. Now. I mean, now that I'm further along in in my therapy, but, um, I just remember when I was newly married and having Jeremy say, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like you being so like withdrawn and isolated and having these, um, somatic experiences because of the anxiety, like you don't have to feel like that. Like you could honestly, like I would be so nervous to leave the house. Yeah. Yes. But I just thought everybody was nervous to leave the house. Yes. I didn't know, (laughs) but yeah, it's not. So all those little, the feelings are teaching, are telling us something Mm -hmm. and to have somebody help you process what the feelings are trying to tell you.
1: Well, and especially, yes, and in and and in this um, day and age, right, people are always kind of looking for the quick fix. So it's like, oh, if you're depressed or you can't sleep, you know, just take a pill, take this, take that. They don't realize that it could be just, you know, covering up what the actual roots of the problem are. And until you actually get to the roots of the problem, you're not really going to internally feel better, right? I mean, that's, I think, there's and no... To know that- I mean, yeah. but something like this
0: where we can make people, everyday people mm-hmm. aware that like you feeling nervous all the time is not normal. It's not normal. Right? Like you um, not wanting to get out of bed because you're so tired is not normal. To be exhausted all the time is not normal. I remember being exhausted all the time the time
1: being anxious takes up a lot of energy hyper vigilance it? right like where's my mom <laughs> yes. where is she? is she gonna kill me is she gonna what is, you
0: know how's she gonna that's yes. exhausting and yes. i just i don't think i've ever slept and woken up and felt alive and just rested and just rested yeah i mean just recently But it's been, it's been a lot of hard work, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay.
0: So you, um, so you started getting help for your own stuff while you were still.
1: uh, Yeah. Actually you, you're, you're required to go into therapy when you're an intern, right? Because the only way to really learn how to do good therapy is to be with a good therapist who teaches, who does, you do your own internal work. Okay. And it's almost like, you know, going down certain paths in your own recovery that's how you become a good therapist. Okay. I used to supervise students and they would always ask me and I'm like, if you're not doing your own therapy, good luck. You're not going to be able to really help other people. Absolutely right? not. And I think that was one of the issues with,
0: um, a, a handful of the therapists that I had, I had seen earlier was, um, they, uh, they didn't really get it. They, no. they may have, been, they may have read it in a book, yes, but like, I think that's why we connect so well because we you know what I mean when I say these things about my childhood because it happened to you. And yes, because to be, for, to have somebody say, Are you sure that happened? Or is that real?
1: Like makes you question yourself is more. It's the worst thing you could possibly do for someone who's been sexually abused, right? So- because they have a hard time even just. Wanting to deal with it. Um, so, if they're ready to deal with it, if you've got someone who doesn't take them at their word, right? I yes. Mean, that's the thing that you're the most afraid of is someone's going to say, Well, do you sure you didn't imagine this? Or are you sure you're your not? I just don't know was, why you, you would know, imagine it. Like, you know, what's the know, motive between, but for like an, I don't know. Yeah. Like,
0: I guess unless you're completely insane, you'd make stuff up like that. I don't know.
1: There's very few people who make up that. But it does, it, it's happened to me. Just once in the 30 years that I've been practicing where really? someone made it up. Yeah. And there was an agenda. And I kinda kinda right. knew it. And you can kind of smell their BS. I kind of thought there's pieces of this puzzle that are not fitting together in my mind. Jeez but always. very rarely does that ever happen.
0: Right? right. Well, that would be a really messed up thing to yes.
1: you
0: know, make yeah. up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so then in your personal life. How was, were you single when you were going through your own therapy in terms of the sexual abuse?
1: Um, yeah, I think I was at the time. Yeah. I was but Actually, the truth is that I was in therapy because of all of the issues in my childhood and yeah. not having had, uh, like uh, one good parent, a parent there or yeah. one like good, it doesn't have to be a perfect parent, but a good enough parent mm-hmm. because I, both my parents were pretty narcissistic. And like I said, my mom was more of a narcissistic borderline that was torturing mm-hmm, us, you know? Mm-hmm. So because of that, I needed a lot of therapy to just help me feel like to get back in touch with reality of what's normal and what's healthy right, and to kind of learn that, right? Yeah. And to be reparented a little bit. So I was in analysis twice a week for 12 years. And that guy was wonderful and he really did, he he didn't deal with the trauma aspect, which was kept messing up my life, Okay, but he did deal, he did help me grow up and gain some confidence and feel more comfortable in my own skin. I mean, Got that it. was really kind of, when you have that kind of injury, like neglect and, and abuse as a child. Yeah. And that's more complex trauma, right? When you have that, it takes a few years to get reparented a little bit, to get the things that your parents emotionally should have been giving you, right? And so you get some positive regard. You get someone who listens to your feelings and cares about your feelings. I'm like, how do you ever feel cared about if someone doesn't care about your feelings, right? I mean, that's your whole internal world, right? Your thoughts and your feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was really helpful. And then the part that wasn't addressed was this, uh, sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so when I started, I found a good EMDR therapist to, to do that part with me. Got it. And that really helped me in terms of relational stuff, Mm -hmm. right. And my own sexual life and all that, that made a big difference. And
0: then, um,
1: and then, so how long have you,
0: so wait, so when did you get pregnant?
1: I, <laughs> I, I was married a second time. Okay. And uh I was Forty years old when you had her, and I was forty-one when I had her. I thought that I—I I thought at that age, you know, I'm not going to get pregnant. Right? Oh my gosh, you got pregnant! And it pregnant. was just a gift from God oh that gosh. I got pregnant. And yeah, so that was that was wonderful. I was oh so happy gosh. to have her. Yeah. I was okay. Yeah. So being
0: a mom, yes. and having a crazy mom as your
1: mom, how
0: was that for you?
1: Well, I certainly have to be careful. I don't do anything that my mother did to me. And, you know, I don't want my daughter to be on the receiving end of any of that, which is one of the reasons I did so much therapy mm-hmm. was because I didn't want to be unconscious of like doing something hurtful or doing a mistake that, you know, I saw my mother do. So yeah. like like you were doing, I was checking off the list. I'm not going to criticize. Yeah. I'm not going to yell and scream. I'm not going to get frustrated and say mean things. Well, you know? I'm like, I feel at that like on a daily basis. <laughs> well, like I said, you don't need a perfect mother. You just want a mother that you feel at least likes you, right? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yes. Even if they don't love you, at least they're nice to you. So um, so I did feel um, kind of driven I mean, just to do the work so I could feel good myself, you know, and not be depressed and anxious all the time, right? And I could sleep at night. That would be fantastic. That'd be great. So that's what I was really doing the work for. But then when I got pregnant, it was such a blessing because I really felt like I had separated out like you internalized your parents a little bit and I had done enough work and analysis that I could separate out my mom. And I didn't have that kind of internal struggle where I felt the need to criticize or yell and scream or do any of that. And I was never a screamer, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I'm, I think that I've managed to be a good enough mom and have a nice relationship with my a very loving relationship with my daughter, that I didn't get with my mom. You it know? feels so almost it, redemptive. It does. It, it does. really does. And you and you know you've broken the you've broken the chain, Absolutely. right? Like the crap rolls downhill, and it's oh, like yeah. it's stopping. And there's right no here. more
0: crap coming. There's no more. That's exactly how I feel. I feel like that in my marriage, even we both, you know, Jeremy has his own story, so I won't share it, but we've both to be the change in the lineage in the generations is hard work, Work. but my grandkids will never know
1: what I, what I
0: know, you know, and that is worth it. It's, it's worth it. And and my kids will never know. Yeah. They won't know what it was like to be despised and treated like, Crap! Yes,
1: yeah. Although my my daughter has met my mom and has seen her with me, okay, and so she's seen my mom, you yeah, know? and so she's very grateful that I'm not. You like know, that, I am. Um, you know? Well, so that's the crazy part,
0: and I'll tell that story later because I don't think we're we're kind of running out of time. But um, yeah, to see to to un- to understand that. A, bad parent becomes a bad
1: grandparent.
0: Yes, I always thought that, well, maybe my mom wasn't that bad and maybe she would be.
1: They'll get nicer as they get older or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, That's that the dream. Doesn't happen. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay. So real quick, because yeah. we're running out right. of time here, but what, um, so where are you now? So you came from complete and utter chaos. Mm-hmm. You, you ran away. Your mom was manipulative. Your parents divorced. There was the affairs and the abuse sexually and mentally and verbally. And how, how you know, to see you here, mm-hmm. highly functioning, mm-hmm. you know, having like a job and
1: mm-hmm. a family and, yeah. you know, like how There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, there's great light at the end of the tunnel. I want people to really know that there's help. And there's you can recover, you can recover from this stuff. It's not so complicated. And once you start to understand what you didn't get and how as an adult to get what you should have gotten.
0: Because this right. is so
1: complicated, I could ask you. It is complicated. <laughs> there is, I, but... I, I like
0: need to like have you back more so sure. we can like ask certain questions. because I'm like, oh yeah, because we can talk about this. Um, I'm happy to come back. I would love to have you. I, um, yeah. I remember, I remember being told like, oh well, the recovery process and the recovery process, and I thought recovery. Like, I'm not an addict. Like, what are you talking about? Recover? Like, I thought like that's so ridiculous, but it really is. Yeah. You really were. Wounded and abused and injured and until you recover and it takes a long time, you got to like reopen that wound and scrape out the gunk in there and it hurts and it's painful. But to know that that means it could heal. It's going to heal beautifully.
1: And you'll Ah, be stronger for it and you'll be wiser for it and you'll be more loving, you know, and there's so much you get out of that. There was this
0: quote uh, and it was like, our greatest transformations come with our greatest pain. I think that's true. And the wisdom from people who can say, I was abused, I was neglected, I was all of these things, um, to be able to admit it and then go find help. And I even say, honestly, therapy is so important go, go take out a credit, go, go get a credit card. (laughs) Like if you can't pay for it, I told you I have spent a fortune. (laughs) Me too. It's worth it. Absolutely. Yes, I think so. Worth it because you'll be able to make that money back because you'll be so much higher functioning. You'll get a better job. You'll it'll
1: translate into the rest of your life and you will just bleed goodness. And if you can just feel good about yourself and you can feel comfortable in your own body and know who you are and have some insight and not apologize for. Yeah, Yeah. not apologize for and not feel like there's something wrong with you. Right. Totally. Which is what happens to a lot of people is you end up feeling that just really something flawed and something wrong with me. Oftentimes, most of the people I treat, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them okay. except that they've been neglected and abused and they have PTSD. And PTSD is not that hard to recover from. I'm, if you get the right kind of treatment, treatment. that's what um, the big deal is. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to get in contact with
0: you, are you open to them contacting you is this weird? Um, Do you, like, can they find you online? Like, is... Uh, I or maybe they can email me.
1: Well, they could email you. Okay. Um, My caseload is pretty full right oh, now. Oh, you're so, so you're so, so busy. I'm a little busy, here, a little busy. I like doing this because I think it puts out a lot of information for people. I think and so. And I'm happy
0: to, you know... So maybe, like, ref- okay, so if you are in the area and you are looking for somebody email me, send me an email, jenblossom at gmail.com. And I will do my very best to try to collect resources and find people to help because, um, life is beautiful when you, when you are, when someone, you know, cares enough about you to pour into you and to love you for all of you and teach you what you didn't get when you were a kid. Um, just kind of being able to enjoy life, which I never thought I could. I thought it was selfish to enjoy life and dang it. I, I, (laughs) want to enjoy this life, you know? Um, and I want my kids to enjoy this life and I don't want my kids suffering through the crap I went through. So, you know what, I'll do the hard work. So if you have any questions about that, you can email me, um, comment on any of the podcast stuff or the YouTube stuff. And again, if you have a story that you are ready to share, uh, I would love to have you. So again, get in contact with me and um, we'll we'll try to make that happen. But thank you so much, Linda. Oh, you're so welcome. You I'm are happy to be here. The sweetest thing. I just adore you. You're I my adore you are my everything. I mean, I just anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. You're Thanks welcome. for being here. Okay.